I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We do honor Christ and we thank God for another glorious day that he has given us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we do thank you. What a joy it is just to be in the land of the living. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your precious promises. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, whose blood stained Calvary that we might have a right to the tree of life. Lord, I pray now that as your word goes forth that it will fall on fertile soil that someone who does not know you and the free pardon of their sin might be saved. Lord, we love you. And we're excited about what you're about to do in our midst. I pray that this preaching moment would be worshiped to you. Consecrate me now that by thy spirit, Lord, by the power of grace divine, let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of thine heart be acceptable in thine sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer and the people of God said amen. 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 We honor the spirit of Christ. And we thank God for another glorious day. And uh, if the Lord has done anything for you, uh, just one thing. I know he's done many more, but can you just give him a hand of praise? Amen. I always have to be mindful of just how good and gracious God is. And it's easy to take for granted you wake up every day, you have food in your refrigerator, you can dress yourself, you can open your medicine bottle and you can take medication, but there's someone somewhere who can't do any of that. Someone woke up this morning and had no idea who they were or where they were, but we just thank God for the presence of mind to be in his house and to worship him once again. So we honor the spirit of Christ. I want to look at uh, a familiar story found in uh, Mark chapter 10. Uh, I'll begin reading at verse 46 through 52 in Mark chapter 10. When you're found to say amen. amen. Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. 
And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commended him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So ends the reading of God's word. I want to preach from the sermonic theme. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. I have always been amazed at this particular man, Bartimaeus, because he reveals his transparency. He's very raw and real. And he is a man who is in a very desperate way, and he unashamedly makes known that he has a need. Lord, I need your help. Have you, have you been there lately? Okay, see, you're looking at me like you don't believe me. Um, maybe, maybe it's that child that you have invested in and now you don't hear from them anymore. They, they have become wayward. They have gone their own way. Lord, I need your help with my child. Maybe you have more month than money and your finances just are not right. Lord, I need your help with my finances. Lord, I need your help to remain and to keep a biblical worldview in the midst of a conservative worldview, a liberal worldview, a progressive worldview, an independent worldview, a business worldview, a self-centered worldview. Lord, I need your help to keep your word as the centerpiece of my life. Lord, I need your help. I need your help trying to keep my marriage together. I need your help to overcome my addiction 
And before you look at me like I'm losing my mind, we all have some addictions. Don't act like you don't have a sweet spot that's ruining and wrecking your life. Lord, I need your help. And there's a great deal of comfort that I find in knowing that I can turn to the Creator God and ask Him for help when no one else can do what only he can do, he says, come unto me. Come on. Come boldly. Come on. I can go to him knowing that he is able to help me. Throughout the scriptures, we see portraits of individuals who, who knew the value and the worth of going to God for help. Hebrews 13, 6 says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Psalm 54 and 4. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. Isaiah 43 and 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Oh, in Psalm 46, 1, the Lord is my refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. We, beloved, can run to him in the face of distress and difficulty. I don't know, that, that gives me a great deal of confidence. It gives me a great deal of hope knowing that I can go to him for help. I, I know, beloved, that's elementary, and I, I know you don't get excited about that anymore, but every now and then you're going to run up against some stuff, and you're going to be able to turn to him and say, Lord, I need your help. The man in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, that's where he was. Um, it says that, uh, and he, he gives us some, some, some holy hints, if you will. He helps us see how we can get God's activity in our distress and our agony. And brother was in a difficult spot. He really was. It, it says, now, Jesus was going through Jericho. Jesus is now headed to Calvary. He, he's going to Jerusalem. This is the last time he'll ever make his way through Jericho. And as he was making his way through Jericho, the book says that the disciples were with him, and there was a great multitude. They, they were all making their way. And, and uh, this blind Bartimaeus, we know his name, we know his condition. In Luke's gospel, he records that when Bartimaeus heard the noise, he began to say, what is going on? What is all of the commotion? And they said, 
Ah, they said, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And the Bible says that he cried out. If we're going to get God's activity into our agony, and, and, as, and as we call upon him for help, one thing we've got to do is stay focused. Stay focused on Jesus. You see, there were many distractions that this man would encounter in his efforts to connect with Jesus. The Bible says that as he cried out, there was a group there who were not crazy about all of that noise he was making. They said, look, you need to be quiet. I'm really not making that up. It says in verse 49 that there were many who warned him to be quiet. Isn't it amazing? Here you're trying to get to Jesus, and there's some folks trying to tell you, stop making all that noise. I, I don't know about you, but I would have been like Bartimaeus. I would have been the loudest thing there without a mic. Yeah, because see, that was his desperation. He was desperate. He did not care what anybody was going to think or say about him. His condition was such that he needed God's immediate attention. So he began to cry out. He would not be denied. He, he, he began to make some noise because he was desperate. And see, beloved, it's all about how you respond to life's challenges and difficulties. He chose not to be quiet. Uh, he decided that he was going to get the attention of the master. So he begins to cry out. And listen, he did so without delay. As soon as he heard that it was Jesus, he began to cry out. He did not say, you know, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. No, he knew exactly who Jesus was. Perhaps he had heard about how Jesus had delivered others and how he had restored their sight. I'm not sure. Scripture does not say. But he did respond once he heard that it was Jesus. Let me ask you this. Are you one who responds when you just hear that name? There's something about the name of Jesus. There's something about that name. There's healing in that name. There's deliverance in that name. There's hope in that name. There's restoration in that name. Oh, Lord. He, there's that name of Jesus. And Bartimaeus began to respond. I don't respond to the Orioles, the Ravens. Listen, they can't do nothing for me, but I do respond. Oh, to, to the Son Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, my priest, prophet, and king. If you want to get a rise out of me, you start talking about Jesus. Don't nobody have to be pumping me up. Shoot, I got enough goodness in myself. I'll pump you up. You don't be careful. I got a story to tell. Like you have a story to tell. He did not delay he revealed his faith in God and the healing power of Jesus Christ. 
So he cried out. Maybe that's why the church is not as strong as she used to be, because the whole idea of crying out unto God is vacant. And crying out, don't get it confused, it's just about raising your voice. And listen, you may say, well, you know, I'm really not into all of that noise. That's fine. Just use the voice you have to cry out. It doesn't have to be 12 octaves. Crying out is just about desperation and getting his activity into your agony. Lord, see me. Lord, this is my situation. This is my dilemma. And if you don't show up, I'm not sure how this thing is going to work out. Lord, I need your help. I don't know. I, 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 I started thinking about that whole thing about crying out, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get away from some stuff. Let me share it with you, because it got good to me while I was looking at it. Um, Psalm 107 says, They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of all their distress. That's Psalm 107, verses 4 through Seven. Same 107, verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them. You see, there's something about crying out. In the same 107, verse 27, they reel to and fro like a stagger and stagger like a drunken man and are, and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distress. All I'm trying to suggest is that there's something about crying out to him that seems to get his hand moving in our situation and circumstance. Maybe the reason he's not moving is because we have not decided to cry out unto him. Cry out. Cry out unto him. Um, I... Uh, I cried out unto him when I discovered that I was diagnosed with cancer. And when they found that mass, you think brother was cool, calm, and collective? Jesus, I still got some work I'd love to do on this side, but if it's not your will, bring me on home. But I'd love to grow older with my wife, if you please. You see, when you get desperate, your cry gets louder. See, when ain't nothing happening in your life, and you're paying all the bills, and you got good health, and the kids acting like they got sense, and, the, and your wife, you and her getting together, getting along, and all that good stuff. But, but listen, <laughs> the day going to come, and just keep living at, if it hasn't happened yet. Some hell going to run up against you, and you're going to say, oh, Lord. You better keep your focus on Jesus in spite of the distractions that come your way. And thank God I'm in remission. For now. I don't know. I thank God. But I, I don't know what his plan is. 
But I tell you what, there was some major crying going on. And it's not because he can't hear, but it's because I'm desperate for you to move in my situation. Elisha cried out, and God revived the dead child. Jehoshaphat cried out, and God delivered him from death. Hezekiah cried out, and God gave him the victory. The disciples cried out when they found themselves in the storm, and Jesus showed up and told the waves to lay down and the wind to go back to its hiding place. Cry out. Bartimaeus began to cry out to the Lord. And some people got upset. And the Bible says he cried out the more. And then it, it, gets, it gets better. The Bible says that Jesus, once he heard of this, all of this noise, the Bible says that Jesus, watch this, stood still. And that, that messed me up right there. He cried out the more, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to come. Isn't that interesting? Jesus now gets very intimate. He's not talking to nobody else but this one-on-one -on -one with this man. This man who had been ignored. This man who had been told to shut up. This man who was poor. This man who was blind now has an audience with Jesus. <laughs> Isn't it something how he can reverse things? Uh, here he is now about to have an audience with, with Jesus. And the Bible says, look at what he did. He threw off his garments and he responded to the call of Jesus. Let me, let me park there for a minute because it says that he, throwing aside his garment. Now keep in mind now, he did not have much. He was a beggar. He was poor. He hung along the side of the road where all the dust and everything was. He, and now he was getting rid of one of the most precious things that he had, his garment. That that he wrapped around him. That that, that he put over his head maybe when the sun was shining. That that he used to keep the rain off of him from time to time. He was now departing with that. And it says he got up and threw it. In other words, he, wasn't, he, he said, listen, this is Jesus calling me. I'm going to get this off. What I'm saying is that sometime when you come to Jesus, you may have to throw some stuff off for you. You may have to get rid of some things. Uh, things that may be precious to you, things that you may like, he may say no. You may have to get rid of some stuff. And I don't know what it is. It may be moving from that which is good that he wants to take you to best or better. But, but he, he threw it off. And then the second point is this. Um, when you're trying to get God's activity into your agony and when you're crying out to him for help, tell Jesus what you want him to do for you. Now, I struggled with this a little bit, and 
Um, but it's right there in the text. So I, I felt I was in good company. It, it says, uh, G, he threw it off. And then Jesus says, well, what do you want me to do for you? Now, listen, Jesus knew exactly what he wanted. I mean, he, Jesus is not fishing here for, he knows. No, he, he knows. But here's the thing. He wants to see if you know what you want. What's really at your heart? He didn't ask for food. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for a place to live. He didn't ask for a new garment. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is still asking us that question, beloved. He's saying yesterday, today, and I mean, so, 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 what's keeping you up at night? What's messing with you? Tell him. People say, man, tell me something new and exciting. You know what I'm learning? If we can learn to master what we already know, we always want to go deep, and not go deep. But here's my problem. We're not doing what we know. And you want to go deep. Then fine, go deep. But I want, to, I want to learn and practice what I already know. My challenge isn't knowing more. My thing is getting to do what I already know. So y'all looking at me like y'all do what you already know. Maybe over here y'all don't. Um, my challenge is learning to do what I know. Go deep, fine. But after you go deep, are you coming up better equipped to do what you already know? And in most cases, we are not. We just know a lot, but we ain't practicing what we know. So here's my commitment. Lord, I need your help to do what I already know. Try that on, go tell that. Try that on <laughs> besides. Try and love folk. Here you can't even talk to the people in your house and you're going deep. Here you want more money and not even giving him tithes and offering now, but now you want more. See, do what you know. Stop practicing that. So, so he's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? It, it reveals his dependence upon Jesus. And, and so Jesus is practical. He, he wants us, beloved, to let him know what we need. Lord, I need to grow closer to you. Help me with that. Lord, help me with my mouth. I can be so nasty and sarcastic and Lord, help me with to be a better steward of what you have given me. Ah, what do you want me to do for you? Nurse on that throughout the week. Just, just, Lord, this is what I need you to do for me. Maybe one or two things. Don't go 12 or 13. Keep it simple. <laughs> start, start with one or two. 
you know, and, and make sure it's something spiritual. Listen, most of us got more car than we need, more house than what we need. Our bank account, the Lord has been gracious to us. We don't need none of that stuff, but I do want and I do desire a closer walk with you. And Lord, however you choose to make that come to fruition, that's what I want to do. And if it means that you have to invite some misery into my life from time to time to keep me close to you, then that's what you have to do. Then Lord, do that. I ain't going to get a lot of amens on that one, I know. Let me move, let me move. Um, so, deal with that. Doing what you know and beginning to identify that area that you need him to work on. And then, it's a, then that third point is trust the Lord to meet your need. Jesus asked them, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, that I might receive my sight. He says, Rabboni, Rabbi, my master, my Lord, my captain. I want to receive my sight. Sight in this particular text means to restore or receive my lost sight. At one time, this man could see, but something happened for him to lose his sight. So he was asking the Lord to restore his sight. That's what he wanted the Lord to do. And and, and he had an expectation that Jesus was going to be able to meet his need. Um, okay. He, he had great faith. His expectation began when he first heard that Jesus was passing by and he started crying out. His expectation that Jesus could do something for him is when Jesus said, come here, and he got up and he came. His expectation was when he took off his garment and then began to go in the direction of Jesus, that Jesus was going to be able to do something. So now, once again, we find him with an expectation that Jesus was going to be able to meet his need. And all I'm suggesting, beloved, is that when we go to him, when we make it clear what our heart's desire is, have an expectation that Christ is going to meet me at the point of my need. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm believing and trusting that God is going to be able to do what he said he can do. He's waiting for his perfect timing to show up. And we don't know when that is. He had great faith. Um, and just because you have great faith does not always mean that God is going to respond as quickly as we would like. As a matter of fact, sometimes that just isn't the case. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better but I've laid my case before him. And now, Lord, I'm trusting you, and I'm taking my hands off of it, 
and I'm going to let you do what you do. And while I'm waiting for your perfect timing in my situation, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep coming to the church house. I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep worshiping and praising you while I'm waiting for you to get into my situation. I'm not just going to sit down and say, woe is me. But I'm going to act like you already have delivered me when I come on Sunday. Or when I walk around the house. Baby, didn't you just say that this is going on? I know, but you know what? I'm just excited to see what he's going to do. Because I know he's going to show up and he's faithful to his word. So look, as a matter of fact, come on and join me. Why don't we just have a, a, a praise party right here, the two of us? See, I know. What, that'll, that'll wreck your home. I ain't trying to start nothing. I'm, <laughs> I ain't trying to get you a shepherd prat like some of you may think. But no, no. But I, I'm just suggesting that. While I'm waiting for him to do what he does, I'm going to stay busy. And then it says, and he says, uh, then he says, what, in verse 52, then Jesus said to him, um, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I mean, that, that word well, that, that really means whole. He was not just going to restore his sight physically, but he was going to restore him spiritually. Uh, he was now going to have a new relationship. See, first he was a fan. Now he's about to become a follower. You know, he, he's, he's making a transition. Um, and, and he said, Lord said, I love it. He says, your faith. That the fact that you believe that, that in God and, and who he is and, and his son, that, that, that because you believe that Jesus is able to restore and heal, your faith has made you well, whole. I don't just want to be healed physically. But I want to be healed spiritually. And that's what this man was now. He was now healed physically. He had a sight as well as spiritually. See, I, I don't want to just get a physical healing. Because, see, if I'm made whole, I know how to love right. If I'm made whole, I know how to serve right. If I'm made whole, I know how to give right. If I'm made whole, I know how to witness right. If I'm made whole, and that's what this man was. He, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. And Luke says, um, in Luke 18, 43, he says, after he received his sight, watch this, he began glorifying God. Now keep in mind, he was a beggar, he was blind, he was poor. Now he had his sight. Now he would be able to earn a living for himself. Now he would be able to see the sunset again. Now he would be able to look into the eyes of his family. Now he would be able to do a great work. And the Bible says he decided that he would follow 
Jesus, that he would become one of his disciples. You know, as the Lord blesses you, it does something about obligation. Um, he doesn't force us to do anything. But I tell you, beloved, when you think about how God has blessed you and how God is blessing you and how he has yet to bless you, oh, you, 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 if you're not following him, then, then you, your wood is wet. So, something is wrong. You really do need a psyche valve because nobody could do for you what Jesus has done. And listen, it's not even about guilt. It's all about being thankful and thanking and praising him out of gratitude. I'm obligated to do that because of just how good he's been to me. If I had a thousand tongues, that still would not be enough considering how good he is to you. And here you sit up here and act like you're supposed to be blessed. All right, keep it up. You'll get that wake-up call. He'll humble you behind, and then all of a sudden you start waking up. And I don't want him coming after me. I got enough mess that I got to deal with. I don't need him after me as well. Like all of us, I know you got mess too. That's why I'm in good company. Ain't no saints here. We all sin and saved by grace. And got some mess we working on and ain't there yet. But thank God I can cry out to him for help. And he's available. Uh, let me, let me get, get out of your way. He, he, he was all in now for Jesus. I love it. He, he now felt obligated because of the Lord's goodness that he had to repay. And he just needed to do something. So he says, now I'm going to follow him. I'm becoming one of his disciples. I'm going on a road trip with him. And we don't know how far he went and hung with Jesus. We don't know, but we do know that he went with him. And he became one who followed Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm a little older now, and, and I can remember uh, uh, Mahalia Jackson uh, was often played in our home, and, and, and she used to sing this song, Come to Jesus. Oh, Lord. She, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just now. Just now, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you just now. Just now, he will save you. He will save you. Come to Jesus. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him just now. Just now, only trust him. Only trust him just now. He will cleanse you. <laughs> he will cleanse you. He will cleanse you just now. Just now, he will cleanse you. He will cleanse you right Maybe you are here today and you cannot remember a time in your life when you knowingly and willingly invited Jesus Christ into your life. He, listen, he's available to you right now. It doesn't make any difference what you have done. We're, listen, we're all doing some stuff. Doesn't matter what you've been, 
Listen, don't matter about the skeletons in your closet nor the live ones in it. Doesn't matter. He, he wants you to come to him. And as you come to him, you can come to him for help. That you are his child. That he loves you unconditionally. In spite of all of your hang-ups and hurts, he will accept you just as you are. This is the most important moment of the preaching worship opportunity. Because see, you need to know for yourself where you stand with Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Let me tell you, it has nothing to do with you not smoking or drinking or chasing somebody's wife or chasing skirts or taking a few lines. That does not matter. What matters is what you're gonna do with his son. What matters is when he asks you, what did you do with my son? I confessed him. I loved him. I worshiped him. I adored him. I surrendered my life to him. If you cannot say that, that means you are lost. And that means that you're on your way to hell. I know, I gotta go there because see, you ain't talking about hell no more. You just don't hear about it. I, you, you, I'm one of those preachers who still talks and believes about hell. I'm one of them, that's right. And I know not many of us left, I don't care, but I'm gonna be one of them. If there's a literal heaven, there's a literal hell. And you get to choose on this side. Ain't no purgatory, no spiritual halfway house. It's either or. Either you know him or you don't. Now, if you can't say that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life, that means you're lost. But if you can say it, give him a hand. Give him a hand of praise. Amen. And Father, we do love you. We're so grateful that we can come to you for help. We're grateful, Lord, that we want to stay focused. We're grateful, focused on your son. We're thankful that, that we can, can, can remain um, recognize the value of, of you being with us and, and that you loving us and that we confess you as Lord and Savior of our lives. We thank you for that, Lord. So just have your way. I pray for that person here today who's on the fence and who has not surrendered their life unto you. Lord, I pray that you trouble them until their spirit comes to you, until they confess you as Lord and Savior of their lives. In Jesus' name we do pray and give thanks. Amen.